0: Thousands of years. A mystery. A secret.
1: A threshold to the future. Where'd you find this? I've I've
0: never seen anything like this. One man will break the code and open the door. Well,
2: it should read Stargate.
0: That was in front of us the whole time.
2: The other will lead the way. Why are you here? I'm here in case you succeed.
0: Jackson's identified the seventh symbol. Backup storage, reserve power on. What is that? It's your Stargate. We've opened a doorway to a world we know nothing about. The beam has locked itself onto a point somewhere in the Kalium galaxy. It's on the other side of the known universe. Your turn now. They prepared for danger. Again, final evacuation. They expected the
1: unknown. Stabilizing system. Initiated commencement sequence. But they could never
2: have imagined This. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rewatchability. I'm J.M. McNabb, joined as always by Robert Leronde. And we're joined by a special guest this week. It's our friend Sina Romani. Hey, Sina.
1: Hello, folks. It's
2: nice to be back. The host and uh, editor, curator of The East is a Podcast, um, which you can find on, uh, you know, however you listen to this. I don't know. That's your business. (laughs) We've got a special episode for you this week. Mm -hmm. We are going to be talking about the 1994 science fiction blockbuster Stargate, Mm -hmm. directed by Roland Emmerich, starring (laughs) James Bader and Kurt Russell for some reason.
3: Yep. (laughs) Uh, Wait,
2: I mean, come on. I mean, Kurt Russell for some reason. Well, no, I, I I love Kurt Russell, but like I can't imagine like a Hollywood executive being like, we gotta find a project for Kurt Russell and James Spader. <laughs> we gotta well, get true. those two together, <laughs> and if a cast member from The Crying Game is around too, that would be <laughs> the icing on the cake. Before we get into that big big movie, exciting to talk about. I do want to thank all of the Patreon donors. You can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and kick in a few bucks. Help us keep the show going. You get the show early and ad free. And we sure do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But let's get into Stargate because there's so much to talk about with this movie. Let's start with you, Rob. Do you remember when you first saw this? Okay.
3: So I have to confess that I didn't see the film Stargate. But, but hold on. Hold on. Jam, hold on. Okay. I read the novel. No. (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) By the authors, Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin. Oh, God. And I remember it to be, uh, you know, pretty good. Why?
2: Why? Why did...
3: Why? <laughs> why? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think it's one of those things that, like... Was it
2: in hieroglyphics or was it in English? <laughs> was it on an, an ancient both. tablet?
3: It, it was a little bit of both. And then in the middle, it had glossy pages with photos <laughs> of the cast. Right.
2: There's always, like, eight photos in the middle.
3: Yeah, James Spader and, you know... You know, I th- I don't know where I got it. I was trying to remember. I think maybe, like, my mom picked it up at, like the second-hand sort, the Salvation Army or something like that, and was like, you know, Rob likes science-y, fiction-y things, you know. Right. Or, you know, maybe she thought it was, like, a, a weird, like, Salvation Army religious thing and, you know, it was supposed to, like, I don't know, be good for my soul or something. I
2: don't know. Right. So, So you read it. Did you have no interest in seeing the movie? Did you know the movie existed? Oh, I knew the movie existed.
3: You know... Yeah, I I I didn't need to see the movie. I it never really occurred to me to see the movie after reading the book. Like I got the whole story from that, you know. Like O'Neill has his thing, and then Daniel he stays on the planet, and that's what you need to know about the Stargate. So okay. yeah, I I just you know, so why? you liked it. It was you know it was okay. It was right. you know it was no Stephen King or you know the Wheel of Time, but. Uh, yeah, it was okay.
2: Okay, uh, and Cena, when did you first read Stargate? I mean, see Stargate.
3: <laughs> I have. <laughs> I
1: want to admit something, which is I have never seen this movie before until roughly forty-eight hours ago, or 24 what, really? hours ago. really? I figured. I when, thought we
2: talked about this
3: before.
1: <laughs> I've seen like parts of the shows, and oh, okay, and and we can get into it, but it always struck me as extremely dumb. Mm-hmm. And I was right. I was right.
3: Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: It's it's a very stupid movie. It's very well, stupid. Well,
3: yeah, I think like that's one of the uh, reasons I didn't want to see it either, because the whole like, space pharaoh thing seemed dumb, you know?
2: Okay, well, you guys sit back and relax, because I will tell you about how I saw this movie in the theater when it first came out at the uh, at the Yorkdale uh cinema and uh and I liked it okay but the, but I I liked it but I never saw it again like it was one of those things where like me and my friends went we all had a great time I think we all enjoyed it but it like it never caught on like I never saw it a second time until this year until just now and I th- I even bought an action figure for this movie, wow! Which I instantly regretted. Like I, <laughs> I think I got like. Did I remember you get seeing, the French
3: Stewart action figure,
2: yeah. <laughs> or the Richard Kind? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. It was like one of the like villains' henchmen, like oh. which I think just looked cool. But I, yeah, I bought it because I thought it looked cool, and I was advertised it on shows i liked and i was dumb and impressionable so i bought it and then i instantly regretted it and was like what am i going to do with this i'm not going to buy another stargate figure like i guess this guy will just have to interface with my ninja turtles
3: (laughs) get the robin hood prince of thieves action figures in there
2: (laughs) which i still have i found some at my parents house not long ago do you have right
3: What's wrong with
1: you
2: why did you buy those i liked that movie when i was a kid and they were good action figures they were admittedly cobbled were. together from a lot of pre-existing uh toy lines like a lot of the, like everywhere robin hood lives or any of his like vehicles are all from ewok sets <laughs> that were just lying around and like repainted or remolded uh I don't know why we're talking about this, but Stargate, yeah, it was, like, one of those things where it was, like, it it, it kind of, like, fooled me and my friends into thinking it was, like, a big iconic movie, but then, mm. like, the illusion very quickly wore off, and we realized that it was <laughs> not a good movie, it's, but.
1: It's very dumb, but it's made for kids, though. It's obviously made for kids and, like, a certain kind of brainless movie-going sure. experience. which is People that. People who know the truth about ancient aliens. Cook. <laughs> which is which is what which is what Roland yeah, Emmerich exactly. does. Like this is his this is his signature. Like he makes stupid movies for stupid right. times. Like that's it. That's that's his, and he's good at it. He, well, he I mean, I make think he is.
3: That. Like Independence Day. Like if that's like your big example of the big stupid movie for the big stupid time. Like it was sort of the perfect yeah. movie. You know,
2: he makes he makes movies yeah,
3: that that was definitely more fun than this
2: movie. <laughs> when we were kids, like the movies he made were like perfect like event like i remember all the times i saw his movies in the theater i remember them being packed and you know exciting to see but you know he doesn't necessarily make movies that that last no uh but let's get into it because there's so much to talk about rob do you want to do the rundown for stargate i sure
3: do so it starts in ancient egypt And, you know, there's some ancient Egyptian people hanging out, and they see this light in the sky, and there's all this, like, sand that's being blown everywhere because it's the desert. And then they look up, and there's a big old old triangle descending from heaven, and uh, it sort of comes down like E.T.'s ship. It's not actually too dissimilar from E.T.'s ship. Uh, Wait,
2: does that—I don't remember that happening. What? Oh— well, Did you not watch yeah. the I didn't. cut? No. Oh, damn.
1: <laughs> oh,
3: oh, you missed nah. out, of I watched the friend. version
2: that was free on Hoopla. <laughs> well,
3: <laughs> you missed this whole part, which I, you know, I think is now, now that I'm thinking about it, is totally integral to the movie.
2: Right, but, right.
3: But, okay, so yeah, that happens, and then it cuts to ancient egypt but not that ancient we're talking like 1928 ancient like you know like your grand, your great grandpa ancient you know and they are doing an excavation and there's like a whole bunch of egyptian people and then there's like some british people who are in charge and they brush off some stuff and they see something and it looks kind of like you know a a relief carving but they're like is it a fossil and uh that's all we get. Oh, and there's also a little girl, of course, with a uh, with a piece of jewelry. Of course, is this before Titanic or after? <laughs>
1: what the... This is that era. Oh no, this is might be right before. Yeah, it's it's
3: a few years before. James Cameron yeah. owes somebody some money. <laughs> kind of.
2: Well, yeah, I guess when she's an old lady and she has the jewelry. Though.
3: Old ladies'
2: jewelries.
3: I think that counts. Yeah. All right, all right. Okay. So that's all that happened sort of back then. Cut to the present. We have this guy. His name is Daniel Jackson. He's an Egyptologist, and he is giving this lecture about how the pharaohs couldn't have built the pyramids. And everybody is listening to this lecture all incredulous because everybody knows that, you know, they were just built, right? And everybody's asking him, okay, well— who built the pyramids then, Smarty Pants? And he doesn't seem to know, so it's <laughs> it's embarrassing. And he's got, this is James Spader, he's got long floppy hair going like all over his face, and he's got these like glasses, and he's like, he seems like he's just not meant for this world, you know? Like,
2: he looks like he should be recording rubber Soul. <laughs> he doesn't look like he should be lecturing about Egypt.
3: He
1: looks like he should be recording a podcast, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> yeah. It's very young. Yeah, he's baby James Spader. It's, uh, the. He's honestly just seeing his young face because we're so used to him looking mm-hmm. old, at least I am. Like he just. And so to see him so young, and he looks really young. Like he's. Like academics don't come like they like they take a while to make academics. Like you, you have to study for a, for a long time. So you're in your 30s. Well, <laughs> yeah, you got to sit on that. He is a fraud. A he you're is like
3: widely yeah, dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was also it was also weird to see him not playing an outward psychopath. It's like tricky. Like sometimes the psychopath slips in there, you know? You like you like get it, you know? Like he doesn't seem to associate with people very well, at least not like earth people. But uh it's strange to see him, you know, being like this guy who's supposed to be kind of timid. But also, we have Kurt Russell and when we open on him, he is just sitting in this child's bedroom with his baby blues all just almost glistening. And he's holding a gun because he is, uh, seems like he's about to do something desperate. And then somebody knocks on his door, and it's the army, and they tell him that they're reactivating him.
2: Yeah. They're like, you look like you're in good shape to (laughs) come back to active service.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh,
2: just sitting here, totally unnecessary
1: plot point. Just absolutely unnecessary plot point that his that his like son is dead for whatever reason. Well, his son.
2: Mike, well, I thought it was funny know. that like the army guys come in and he's in his son's room and he tucks the gun under the pillow, mm. and then they leave and they're like, "What happened to that guy?" And the other one says, his son accidentally shot himself." Well, no wonder he kept his gun <laughs> under the pillow. It's <laughs> yeah. not a good place oh, for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They try
1: to pay that off later, and it doesn't really work. Yeah. you can tell that this extended cut that I watched, I was like, "Wow, they're finding every scrap piece of footage to sell another." Well, DVD no, I think I think, that I think that's in the
2: regular cut too. If if I think I know what you're alluding to, but uh, also uh, I do want to say that Kurt Russell like looks way cooler in this scene. Yeah, <laughs> like he, he's got like the stubble and like kind of shaggy hair, and he. He looks he looks like Steak pliskin, mm-hmm. and then they completely ruin his hair, oh yeah, they
3: like they, I mean they make it like a perfect square. it is like i mean it's almost like guile from Street Fighter yeah. it's so angular that's what
2: i thought
1: <laughs> it's very it, like everything that Emmerich does it's very cliche, like everything is carved out in front of you, so like Will Smith is the like fast talking like, you know, black guy, that's like one character star of like, of a Roland Emmerich film. And then Kurt Russell is like the dejected military man. Like, it's all just collection of stock characters. I mean, that's, that's fine. I mean, on principle, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's so funny to see them all Mm. collected in, in Roland Emmerich's movies. And it keeps happening. 2012 is the same way. (laughs) Like it's, uh, it's all just kind of familiar people that that are sort of roped together. Yeah, in a well, I mean, plot. that's
3: also. I mean, that's such like a, a trope of these action movies. Sort of at the time, like you know the the Armageddons and the Rocks, and also like this movie has like a whole lot of other movies. Like, I mean, maybe I'm just thinking about it because Kurt Russell's in it. It kind of feels like the thing and Alien as well. Just they happen to go to you know uh, space Egypt instead of you know being stuck yeah. in the in the thing. Yeah. But anyway, so basically. They've gathered all these people at this military base because they have this thing, this... They don't know what it is. I mean, we don't know what it is at first, but it has all these symbols on it. And they need Daniel to translate these symbols because he is the... He's the most translatingest Egyptologist in the land. And uh, so, you know, he goes in there and... Richard Kind is the guy who has been working on the uh, on the thing so far, and man, talk about people looking young. It's weird to see him, you know, looking like a, a...
2: looking exactly the same as he does now. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, he does not age whatsoever. Uh, so like like I will Paul say, Rudd, but you know, just already started up here.
2: <laughs> no, Netflix, I show. will say, like, I think my opinion of this movie would be way different if they just had it. If they just cut out the James Spader character and had this be an expedition led by Richard Kind, <laughs> yeah. had everything happen the same, but it's Richard yeah, Kind. It
3: would be pretty hilarious. Yeah.
2: Buried. Excuse me.
0: Uh, what do you, you do? coffin. For all time. Who the hell translated this? Uh, I I did. Well, this should read. A million years into the sky is raw sun god, sealed and buried for all time. It's left the door to heaven it is... Stargate. Oh, yeah,
3: I also forgot to mention that um, the General is one of the guys from Deadwood. I don't know if you... Uh, oh, really? Yeah, uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, he's great. His voice is great. But so instantly, Daniel is able to solve this thing that has been puzzling the scientists for years, presumably since 1928. And then
2: instantly, they're just like, Rever up, let's go! <laughs> Moments later. Well, also, okay, this whole thing is funny to me because they, yeah, they get him to translate the thing and he doesn't know about the Stargate. They literally, like, he, he's giving a presentation on, like, a whiteboard and they're like, we better show him. And the whiteboard he was using retracts and was, like, a secret passage. But the dumbest part about that is, like, the whole thing that they were using him to get to is they couldn't, like figure out what the like last symbol Mm -hmm. for to like activate the stargate was like what the last hieroglyphic should be they'd figure out all the others like they'd basically almost gotten there but they couldn't well first of all it's dumb for so many reasons one one (laughs) one reason it's dumb is because it's literally just a pyramid but one of them has a pyramid and two people on it and the other doesn't i think am i wrong i think so Like, he was just like, hey, these two pyramids are the same. And they're like, oh, my God, he's got (laughs) it, this man. (laughs) But then also on top of that, like, it was just one symbol they were missing. Like, and there I don't know how many there are on there, but if they had the sequence of all the others, couldn't they just spend like an hour and try it? with each one. You know, sometimes you just need a see if if second works. set of eyes, you know? No, but they don't need it. Like, if you had, like, a password, and you knew that the last number was, like, between 1 and 7, you say, well, let's try it up to 1, let's try it up to 2, let's try it up to 3, let's try it up to 4. You would just, like, you would be able to figure that out in an afternoon. Like, you don't need that guy. Okay, Mr. Science.
3: <laughs> Go back to Harvard. <laughs> yeah,
2: <you're... laughs>
3: You're
1: pushing too hard, J.M. You're going to break the movie.
3: (laughs) No, only Daniel is special enough to do this because he's the person who has the inner truth. So they send a probe, first of all, into this Stargate and it doesn't come back. And then there's this whole thing about how like, oh, they don't want to send a reconnaissance team because they won't be able to get back because I guess you need a Stargate on the other side, and it's going to have all these different symbols. So Kurt Russell doesn't even, you know, he he says it's totally off the table, but Daniel sort of convinces him that he'll be able to figure it out once he's there.
2: He's like, I can do it. And they're like, well, he has been here for a day or two. <laughs> if. Let's let him do it. <laughs> I don't even think that
3: they've had lunch yet. Like
1: they have the entire, like they have the entire resources of the U.S. government, military, like literally the strongest empire that has ever existed. Hundreds of millions of people, and and like twenty-five-year-old James Spader is the key to their. Whole thing. He, and
2: he's just like a conspiracy theorist. It would be like, yeah, it would be like if the American government just sent like a YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> like who has all these like an anti well, a couple of years ago,
3: like... <laughs> actually, that would have been uh, right, right in keeping with the way things were going.
2: I will say that like when it came out, I was very impressed by like the actual effects of the Stargate itself. Yeah, like that kind of like ripple water effect. I remember being really cool at the time. It's pretty neat.
3: I, I mean, I have to say, I like the idea of the Stargate and i even was a little bit on board for the sort of journey of discovery even though it was happening remarkably fast that you know they sort of take you on like here's the stargate now we're going through and now like the people are gonna go through it's like it's kind of exciting yeah but once they get there it gets like really dumb (laughs) i mean even
2: dumber Yeah, so they all go through it. They send one scientist, they send one Egyptologist, and then, like, 18 military guys, including another, like, we talked about Billy Crystal last week on the show. We get another prime example of the 90s alpha male (laughs) French steward. Yep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what was he doing in this movie? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's so stupid! It's so stupid. This whole movie. Oh, I mean, Sorry, and I mean, will say, I think, yeah. of like
3: how how he got cast, and like, yeah, maybe he's been like typecast since. Maybe he could play more more things when he was uh younger. But
1: uh, Roland Emmerich also has weird casting policies. Like Harry Connick Jr.
3: is in Independence oh, yeah. Day. Like,
2: like <laughs> it makes no it all sense. All makes a lot of sense.
3: He's a handsome man. <laughs>
1: yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> Hollywood is filled with handsome men. <laughs> They're That's, not Harry they Connick
2: croon. Jr. <laughs> He's a crooner. <laughs> <laughs> weird, weird so yeah, there. they go through the thing. The thing. I can't remember the, the name. The movie. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention. The name of the movie, oh, yeah, the name of the movie mention, and 47 TV shows.
3: <laughs> it, the name's very important because, you know, it's a big part of the translation that richard kind gets wrong because he says in the thing he has it translated as like the door to heaven but it's the stargate like door to heaven would really i mean never mind i fucked up the joke i was gonna make a joke about knocking on heaven's door <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work the same if it's knocking on the stargate right <laughs>
2: that's right oh if they had like paid the big bucks to get bob dylan to record <laughs> A Stargate-centric version of that Well, we song. know
3: through Battlestar Galactica that Bob Dylan's music is linked to the uh, cosmological sphere.
2: Oh, that's true.
3: Or oh, basically true. he, like, oh, rips God. off the universe.
2: One of those. So they also—so one of the first things they see when they're there, they basically go and it's just another pyramid and another desert. Mm. So it's—I mean, yeah, it's very similar to Earth. But James Spader sees, like, an alien horse creature. mm mm-hmm. And offers it candy. And that's the point where I realize that this is just, like, eight Steven Spielberg movies crammed into <laughs> one movie. Like, it's a, he's oh, giving yeah. an alien yeah. candy, like yeah. E.T. Mm. I mean, the scene where James Spader's going through the Stargate plays just, like, the end of Close Encounters. We've got mm-hmm. the deserts from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. We've got, you know, the it's kind of a Temple of Doom thing with them trying to, like... Right save these people it's yeah it's it's just spielberg movies worse and shoved into (laughs) one tiny movie
1: well i think you're half right in the sense that like yeah steven spielberg picks up on these things but like they're the the sort of deeper i would say sort of cultural genetics that this thing is kind of pulling from or like inside this movie is this is about a colonial encounter right like this is staging the colonial encounter and and a bunch of a uh, lots of fiction. I mean, a lot of it is 19th century, but like think Edgar of, Rice like, Burroughs, stuff, Edgar yeah. Rice Burroughs, yeah, like like John Carter, like all like this was high, like 19th century, like late, especially sort of the second half. I mean, Egyptology is interesting because the, it's really an early 19, 19th century thing. It's like 1800, 1799 or something. That's usually when people put the beginning of the sort of modern history mm-hmm. of Egypt is the Napoleon yeah. Napoleonic invasions, which has its own fucked up way of thinking about the world, but this business of this movie is is part of a long continuum of movies that stage, that use a sort of whatever, like they use some like whatever stupid plot device. In this case, it's the Stargate to just return to some sort of like profoundly sort of ground zero of culture, which is the first encounter between the self and the native, right? Or like the representation of our culture that produced this movie text, whatever, and the people who are... Helping us author it in the sense, right? And so, like that—that that to me was the most shocking. I was like, that's "What this movie's about? Real? Like that's what? Like all these years, that's what I've been watching is like, because because I've seen the show. I mean, I haven't seen the show, but like I've seen the show reference Then it's kind of become like it's even for like sci-fi nerds like us, like it's kind of like a joke.
3: Like well, it's kind
1: of like, oh god, how many Star Going into
2: dangerous shows? Dangerous territory. Like
1: I mean, yeah, sorry. I know. Sorry, Sarge sorry, fans. Well, I'm people, sure people praying, do like, like the show. Like I and I, my, I my want... brother was a people big
2: fan like of the show. Anything.
1: Actually, yeah. yeah.
2: I I do want to put it out there that I I don't think any of us have ever seen any of the show. So I've seen a few I... episodes. It's okay. Oh, okay, but I mean, like right. they they have MacGyver
3: instead of uh, right. <laughs> Snake Plissken, so it's like
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> and that ran for like ten years. That ran from like ninety yeah, the seven. Yeah, and then there's like multiple spinoffs. Yeah. Yeah, so for whatever reason, this movie taps into like a deep, like a profound sort of wellspring of of, of sort of sentiments and problems and representations, and also like uh, like other sort of canonical sci-fi things do this too, right? Like not Star Trek like, though. Uh, i mean yeah especially oh, like, no. whatever, star wars like the encounter like the encounter with the native is oh, this geez. really important scene and like that is like think of like c-3po in jedi right he convinces them that they're a god oh no right like like
3: like well, that's, that's yeah this is, these wait are... so when that happens here it's bad
1: <laughs> well yeah
3: <laughs>
1: i mean this is a st- like oh, this man. is something that this is something that like. Conrad says in Heart of Darkness is that like or Kurtz's character actually through Kurtz. He says we must get them to treat us like gods. We must think of make them think of us as gods because of our our godlike technology. And that's why you have like that scene with um, whatever Snake Plissken, Kurt Russell, he's he's like playing with the he's playing with the lighter and stuff. It's like mm-hmm. look at this technology. Look at this technology. They explain it away. They kind of like they kind of bluff it away the whole allegory of the colonial encounter by saying that like in the, I mean, we haven't gotten to this plot point, mm-hmm. but it turns out that the, the reason why this ancient civilization exists on this alien planet is that they were forcibly brought over through the Stargate to, as a label. Okay. Planet, I didn't understand right, which, that. Again, I,
2: maybe that was in the director's uh, cut, but no, pretty... I honestly like that was what I wanted to ask you guys is who are these people? Are th- these people are from earth and brought here or these are aliens? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. These are they're from earth they were brought there by an alien. Well, who are the aliens who, then? Who use them? That's the thing. It's, it's just a guy. Alien, it's just one guy. It's just this guy who then who but then he did the thing. He did the thing that this is the crazy thing. They project like onto this Sun this, uh, Ra or whatever, Ra, <laughs> they project onto him like the policies of like European empire, which was make them think we're gods and make them do, and they'll do what we tell them to do and we'll use them as a cheap labor force and whatever, right? Like, and so it's a weird projection of of almost entirely white. Like, everyone in that, like, Colorado room, hey, yeah. whatever, is, like, entirely white. Like, there's not even a... <laughs> Where are the Egyptian Egyptologists at? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, whatever. I mean, Egyptology is, like, a white discipline. Whatever, fine. But, like, like that is... Uh, I mean, of course, there's, like, modern... There's, there's people in Egypt who actually do it, and they have been doing it for millennia, but that didn't matter to Europeans. But, like, this business of... Of, of the colonial encounter is so powerful and it's so troubling. I mean, not troubling, but like, think about it. this is 1994. American soldiers mm-hmm. are, are, are all over the Middle East. They're all over like yeah. Saudi Arabia. Uh, they're, they're in Northern Iraq. They set up that autonomy, that no fly zone. Yeah. And this movie they're, has that whole
3: like liberation narrative.
1: Yeah, at the end, it turns out to be a weirdly, you know, it's covered up as, oh, you're oppressive, you're oppressive foreign lead, like this important impress like you're oppressive leader of these uncivilized people. He's mistreating that he's mistreated them or she or whatever. And we're going to arm these uh, arm, these dispossessed people to fight back and whatever. Right. So it turns into this weird, you know and 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 it's no accident that Lawrence of Arabia sort of wannabe music is playing oh, across yeah. the whole movie like that music cuz that's what Lawrence that's what T.E. Lawrence was T.E. Lawrence was a low-level or mid-level British agent sent by sent sent by the British crown to help to help uh, help organize the revolt of the Arab tribes against the lingering power of the Ottoman Empire right so like T.E. Lawrence is that sort of like a minor figure in that who was blown up to this hugely important figure because of the fucking yeah. movie and because of the weird culture. And I, but it.
2: I think you've hit it on the uh, head. I think that's the movie that yeah. that's like Spielberg's favorite movie that, that and the searchers. Yes, exactly. Right. So that yeah, becomes exactly. like him and his schools, you know, that influences all of his movies. And then it's like broken telephone that gets, yeah. you know, knocked down a peg and, and everyone tries to copy that. And then like you said there's everything that was happening in the world at the time in the early 90s. Yeah. Uh but I was genuinely confused because yeah, they 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 treat these people like they're not like oh my god there's fellow earthlings here. They treat them so, like a fucking alien race. It's that's why I was confused. Yeah. It's weird uh,
1: stay back they have fangs. But that's empire. I mean but that's empire, right? Is that like the alienness foreignness mm-hmm. like these are that's why arrival is a really good movie like arrival is mostly about a translator and it's just mostly like and it's like and it's like the weird things that translation requires whereas all of the sort of linguistic elements from those are all just like cover up for you know the sort of action the dumb action movie that this movie is right like it's all just kind of all the egypt stuff and the science stuff it's it's just it's just pretext to get to the explosions and the whatever right so like it's interesting that so much fodder like cultural fodder has been made of this over the decades that like this really dumb concept has just been manufactured to all that and very uncreative whatever like it's not you know has just been turned into and like respun for so much i mean i mean roland emmerich sits on like a pile of gold coins because (laughs) of these movies because like people just eat all this stuff up now it's interesting carol co this was a carol co movie right how do you say that carol co carol co i don't know how to say it the same people who did total recall and i think some of the rambo movies right. or something like big swinging dick movies if, <laughs> if one if i can describe it that way like <clears throat> and so it's interesting that this, this that this is, is, totally is one of their, one that. of their later ones <laughs> yeah exactly
3: yeah
2: but i i do want to get into like that first encounter because they go to this like community <laughs> Mm-hmm. Again, it's it's also – it's just so, like – it's just so localized. Like, if these, these people were – again, I'm so confused by what actually happened. These people were, like, kidnapped in the days of ancient Egypt. Yeah. Is that right? And have just been, like, kind of yeah, kept in we... this stasis of ancient yeah. Egypt. But they also, like, aren't that many of them. Like, <laughs> like why isn't it – Why why is the whole planet not, like – full of people like why is it just this one tiny village but in any case they all like they welcome them back it's basically like the, mm-hmm. the Ewok C-3PO thing because they think James Bader yeah. is a god because they of the offer him a woman game.
3: which he you know is good enough to what the fuck was that
1: yeah <laughs> all that—that's all—that's every cliche of these colonial encounter narratives. Like it's always the elder tribesmen offering, and they're like, "No, no, I won't." No no, no, no. But then later like, they're yeah, like, yeah, this, "This is this." But... Yeah, yeah, and there's like, <laughs> "Now I've earned it." Yeah, it's so fucked up, man.
0: No, 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 no! You don't, you don't have to do that, please. Maybe you should go. Okay, mm-hmm. it's okay. Maybe you should go. No, no, it's okay. It's okay.
1: It's
0: all right. Here, oh, here let me get this.
2: It's me. I want, thank you. I want, I'm very, I'm very happy.
1: This is a crazy thing. I mean, I was thinking this, like there are, there are like nine years later, the us invades iraq illegally k- kills uh, be- it begins a process that would take the lives and kill over a million iraqis like there are men who go to iraq who kill iraqis who grew up loving this movie like like that's the reality of american orientalism it's not just some abstract thing like it's not it's not just like you know people like us with too much time on their hands Talking about it for a podcast like it really is like you prepare the mental landscape for the conquest that your politicians and your military leaders will lead and you're going to be a part of and this and 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 it helps us convinces us of the justness of our work. Right as that like I mean, I'm not saying that like there's you could draw a direct line between stargate and and the invasion of Iraq, but it's that the people who consume these kinds of texts this is where it trains mm. them that that dehumanization level, like as you said it, like they treat them like these alien creatures and they're like not humans right because that's what like the line between alien and a human is very flimsy, especially after five hundred years of like white supremacist like European rule, right, so like it's easy, and like those scenes where like Kurt Russell is talking to them and they're like dogs, basically. Like he like puts mm-hmm. their hands over and they start copying him yeah. like babies. Like, like it's really like this is profoundly, profoundly racist. It was, was staggeringly
3: racist. Is <laughs> there, was there something st- worse than yeah. staggering? Yeah. Oh my god, I would like to
2: use that one. <laughs> It was it was kind of shocking. I was it's, trying to look up to see if there was any like backlash at the time, and I couldn't find anything because right. even like when did True Lies come out? Because that like there were yeah it was same around on the Earth, same yeah. time yeah, and like that's there on were Earth. protests. So there were articles, right? Yeah. No, but this
1: like yeah. this was crazy. Space, no, but that's true. No, you're Egypt. right, Rob. You're right because you can. You know, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like you can, you can turn those racist sort of colonial encounter narratives into allegories, science fiction allegories very easily. And that's John Carter. Mm -hmm. That's like the OG text of this whole genre is John Carter. What's funny is that John Carter, the movie so many years later, just, just implodes. It doesn't have anything. Whereas this movie, which is extremely dumb. John Carter, uh, like this is this or like what was it called uh, Princess of Mars, on Mars yeah. or some, Prince, yeah Princess of Mars, and uh, like this is extremely dumb dumber version of that. I mean, I didn't see the John Carter movie. I read the novel, but um, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, it, it, yeah. Like I, I'm not a guy who's like precious about this stuff. Like I don't like. I, I, I you know jm jm knows me from for a long time and, and rob you know me too actually for a while too so like I, I come on these shows and I talk about like representation and stuff but like like this movie is is for a mass audience it's for it's designed to be watched by millions of people it's not some art house thing it's not six <laughs> degrees of separation right like this is a mass like this is a mass text. And as such, and especially because of the the child aspect to this and, like, the blockbuster aspect, when this movie comes out, 1994, a kind of important moment in Hollywood history. It's kind of, I mean, this is Hollywood at its height, kind of, right? Like, 1999, supposedly the greatest year in Hollywood filmmaking, is, like, five years around the corner. But, like, in terms financially, sort of materially, American culture industry is never going to be as strong as this decade. And the fact that, like, this movie is such a hit and it produces immense amount of culture afterwards is i mean to me such an indictment of of everything that we grew up with it's like what's like this movie like cuz it insults your intelligence on top of being racist too like it's not it definitely like the insults culture your makers don't think much of us <laughs> and you watch this movie <laughs> yeah
3: i mean i was like oh god i was prepared oh, you know because cena I knew that we were having you on this podcast. I knew that we would bring up colonialism somewhere. I knew that it was going to be somewhere in this movie, right? And so I was like, okay, there's some, like, Egyptian aesthetic. That's, like, you know, it's a little bit iffy. But then but then when they got to the village and they started, like, worshiping them like gods, it was like, oh, man. That's just, like, oof. Yeah. yeah. And, and giving the, them, like, the, a candy the, bar the girl and, like, like- Yeah. So this girl, you know, yeah, the elder's daughter, you know, is offered to Daniel, and he's too good to to take her because he's not like that, you know, not like those like ruffians in the in the Marines, you know, but not like French Stewart over there. (laughs) No. 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 But rather, he he shows her that he has a unique soul and, you know, they have like this whole big thing. And then, of course, they're destined to be together anyway. And I think later people think that they're married anyway because he wasn't supposed to say no to, to her. So that's, it's weird. And uh <laughs> yeah, and troubling. <laughs> and also while they're there, Kurt Russell also bonds with the boy that is that girl's yeah. brother because... Obviously, like, uh, he is a little bit, uh, you know, broken up still about his son, and so he has like a a little bit of a connection, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, he, well, he gives him, first, this connection manifests as him giving him, uh, cigarettes and a lighter. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, he reaches for the gun and, and then he yells at him. And that's like the last time that sort of character backstory comes into play like there's no, you know but it's also that kid that he freaked out about touching his gun in the tent is also like the same kid that they just give a gun to at the end yeah <laughs> so his arc is basically like learning that sometimes you should give children guns <laughs> like maybe just train them i don't know brought to by the <laughs> nra yeah. Yeah. keep
3: it
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No
1: <laughs> Dangerous Yeah. <laughs> These are moderate rebels, ancient Iptian moderate rebels, basically.
2: But let's talk about Raw for a minute, because this was also confusing. And this is also notable for the character being played by Jay Davidson, mm-hmm. who was only in one other major release, which was The Crying Game, for which he was Oscar nominated. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of like a big deal. Passed over for this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But he, I. One of the less discussed Oscar (laughs) snubs. I I mean, I've got more to talk about him and how he got involved with this movie in the trivia section of the show, but it is weird to see him. But, like, I, I certainly hadn't seen The Crying Game. When I saw this movie as a kid, but having seen it now, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, it's a bold choice. Like I did read that originally they were, they was supposed to be just like an old guy. Right. As the villain. And instead they were like, somehow it came up probably just because they wanted to capitalize on, you know, on the buzz and. And success of that performance that they uh, ended up getting jay davidson but it's weird it's Mm -hmm. real weird it's confusing i mean there were some rewrites with the character i guess we'll just mention it now but like originally it wasn't supposed to be raw or an alien it was supposed to be just another human who was like being controlled by the alien and that wasn't going well at test screening so they were like fuck it let's make that character an alien so they just like made his eyes glow and like did something to his voice. So it's, it's also like a confusing part of the story. That corny vocoder thing.
1: Like that's something we watched in like, there was this like, do you guys remember this? We used to watch this in like school. It was called Zardip search for health and wellness. It was like this weird Canadian like show for kids that they made. And they had like the same cheap kind of vocoder voice for like the alien and i was like this is a multiple million dollar movie and you have like a like you have audacity levels of sound editing skills like at your <laughs> like and the oh god the the um the cgi of this movie does not hold up my god that is that's worse than like tomb raider it's, one. it's a bit like the movie the, it's what, a bit iffy yeah it does not look good and the those early scenes, like, apparently those were shot in Arizona. The uh, 1920s scenes, those were, like, shot in Arizona. And you can totally tell that it's, like, you know, just a cheap, like... Why do... Roland Emmerich's movies are like this? They're expensive, but they look incredibly cheap and dumb. Mm. Like, they <laughs> wow. look... Like, I mean, they are dumb, but they look cheap. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, Godzilla was kind of like that. It kind of looked... It looked... I mean, I guess Godzilla was, like, in a big city, but, like... I don't know. We'll Roland Emmerich got some fucking issues. But the thing
3: about, the thing I found sort of interesting about the Jay Davison character is that, like, they chose to make this character, I mean, he's obviously, like, a sort of uh, effeminate, plays it very effeminately. There's, like, there's bits where, you know, he interacts with other characters in ways that might be homoerotic. And that made me think about some other, it made me think about, like, the movie 300 where the, uh, the Persians are also sort of like painted as these like, you know, really effeminate sort of things. And, uh, and I think like that's a a thing that has been written about, like, you know, the, uh, the sort of like othering of other cultures as like, you know, uh, problematically gay and also like, you know, yeah, putting, you know, making gay people seem like a threat,
2: you know? Well, it's, it's an old Disney, you know, trick. Well yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean like that's the thing. The foreignness is so is such a useful category that you can do so much with it. So like foreignness can be skin color, foreignness can be la- I mean, the language that these people supposedly speak like that main guy, I can't Rob? remember his name. No, not the main, like the main, the main villager oh. guy, like yeah, the head whatever. of the village. Like he, like he's just like, he's like, he's just using like dumb words. Like it's fake language, like you, you, like, like it's just, <laughs> right. yep, you yep. I mean? it's just like this insulting. Yeah. Like it's this insulting, low intelligence kind of form of communication. I mean, one thing they can hide behind that is like, well, this evil alien kept these people underdeveloped so they're they're out of, they're anachronistic they exist outside of time, and so that's why they're like undeveloped and they don't read now. This is another important colonial extremely common colonial kind of talking point, which is we will bring the light of education to these dark spaces Mm -hmm. of the earth and the whole thing of teaching literacy and the idea of what literacy offers in terms of opening the mind as if like 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 only after like literacy is given to them do they think about their identity right which is like bullshit like you can you don't need to be literate to like have an identity to understand that you're being exploited and use the slave labor like even if african-american slaves weren't like enslaved people weren't like literate they still knew what they were in society and they still knew that it was like wrong and unfair like you don't like and they still revolted too so like this whole thing of turning them into modern subjects bringing them the light of modernity and then ally with them to overthrow their unjust god fake god right like that is i mean this is this is just this is just you know gourmet gourmet imperial culture yeah that you know, colonial culture, like a 19th century variety. I mean, it really. This guy, Oh Roland Emmerich, really loves this stuff. He really like, like you know. I mean, this is a sub- debate that Jay and, and I had over King Kong, <laughs> Peter Jackson's King Kong, long ago, <laughs> about about like the viscerality of that movie and how like there is like like blackness is rendered as like disgusting mm. and alien and right. gross, whereas the innocence of what's it Naomi, whatever her Naomi name is. Watts? Yeah, Naomi Watts. Like, is it her? That well, that, is her... Yeah,
2: that movie is yeah. especially bad. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah,
1: like the innocence of like, but like that, those are colonial encounter movies too, right? For like sure. that's another famous one of of locating lo- locating your own sense of self and using the foreigner sort of alterity or otherness to sort of anchor that. I mean, that is
2: all over. Yeah, the, P- the Peter Jackson one, like basically took like what was in the original king kong and somehow made it worse in like the 2000s yeah (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. like he made like he's like can you make it more racist and look nicer too (laughs) like Longer, must be longer. Uh, Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like when you when you get to when you talk about when you render like questions of race and culture and identity and like you know history and like the like the imbalance of power between North and South, right? Like when you when you allegorize that into movies like King Kong or this movie or whatever, like you can say things that you couldn't say otherwise and that's why you use those sort of plot that's why you use those right. plots because you can you can represent it but you can't you can't like i mean i guess you can I mean you, you can't like do that same sort of colonial fantasy today but you can certainly cover it up with like oh aliens and whatever and actually one of the things about this movie is that like the premise of this movie is actually confirming one of these kind of racist right online sort of fetish points which is oh the Egyptians couldn't have built those pyramids it's way too advanced for those (laughs) dumb fucking people So clearly aliens had to do it, right? Which is like, it's so impossible. And this is something that people say about like indigenous architecture here or across the world, right? Like this is something that modern people have invented, projecting contemporary racist attitudes about the world onto the distant past so that we can justify ourselves in collecting that past. I mean, for God's sakes, the Stargate is in Colorado, (laughs) How did they get to Colorado from (laughs) Egypt? (laughs) Like like that scene, that scene, oh, we haven't talked about an open scene or the second opening scene of of nineteen twenties Egypt, right? At like the the uh, whatever, that kind of that was one of the one of the high points of Egyptology was that time. But that's really that's like really in the direct aftermath of the British and French conquest of the former of the of the lands that used to belong to the Ottoman Empire. Like that's like they're about to make like they've created they've created the modern countries that we know today or more or less like they laid the groundwork right like man like they're going to they have their mandate in Palestine they in Syria they you know whatever Lebanon is carved out like all these this is when it's happening it begins in this time and so the fact that they go to this period extract you know this this stargate thing take it to colorado where they can experiment on it and it takes them 70 years and it's just it's it's so stupid the woman who was a child <laughs> at the dig in 1928 is still working on it like 60 years later. You got to get tired it's of so it after stupid. that. You yeah. got it. You, you you have, you failed. Lady. <laughs> you failed. If you couldn't figure it out in 60 years <laughs> and 20 year old James Spader figured it out, like you did something wrong with your life. You didn't do something <laughs> right. Like, oh man. <laughs> so
2: stupid. <laughs> I do think, yeah, there's also something about that opening scene, which we didn't really talk about is like, uh, and I do want to talk more, uh, in the trivia section about like that uh yeah the the conspiracy theory that the pyramids were uh, built by aliens in the history of that i want to talk about that a bit later but like that idea that like that central idea of like tying egypt and specifically ancient egypt to magic was so ingrained yeah. in uh in our childhood entertainment uh In movies like this and, you know, movies like The Mummy in movies like uh, even in like the Indiana Jones movies. And and, you know, and it predates that conspiracy theory, like thinking back to like the, uh, you know, like when they first uh, exhumed the King Tut tomb and it was like before. Yeah, and people were just dying. Like there were, you know, germs in there, and people were getting hit by cars, and people were dying of old age, and and it was attributed to a curse. And I, yeah, and I think there is something about like I don't know all the history of it, but I think uh, part of that mythologizing of like ancient Egypt by people at that time, like a certain amount of it has to be like. (laughs) a justification for the fact that you're you're just breaking in and (laughs) stealing dead people like if you make it magic and like a haunted thing it's you know it makes it it makes it an adventure but if if you look at it for what it actually is it's just kind of ghoulish and horrible and indefensible Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah no i mean there are there are like statues that stood for like thousands of years in like in places that are now sitting in chicago like london you know, like Berlin, right? Like they just carted them off. Like they carted oh. them off. Like they, I'm they, sure there they, are statues they, they, here
2: in Toronto that are from yeah, Egypt. Yeah. yeah, like
1: they, like like the like the like the um, what's it called? The obelisks and stuff. Like they looted this country like a bunch of times over. And I mean, my God, they shot at the Sphinx like this is this yeah. is like this is what imperialism is it's this violent terrorist force that rolls over the world and sucks up anything and it's so funny how you know, does this, like, is this movie proof that the crimes of those eras are still sort of weighing on us, like, as a culture, that we need to, like, expedite them and sort of expiate them? Or, um, what's the word I'm on? like, I'm not expiate them. I want, they we want to exercise them. Like, are, yeah, that's that, why we get them. Like, do these movies exist? We get a mummy yeah. movie every, like, 10 years.
3: <laughs> that's the yeah. true mummy's because, curse. I mean, like,
1: that, like like there were waves of egyptomania in europe in the 19th century and 20th century like waves of it like the way that like things come in and out of fashion that was egyptology i mean great like i think to this day you still get taught ancient egypt in oh, yeah. like, public schools like why like why would we do that like what what sense does that make to us like why pick just that one tiny corner of the world of, of a moment to tell that story there are incredible civilizations all around the world but for whatever reason i mean i know there's a couple of reasons but for like imperialist colonial reasons like historical reasons that are very concrete we get it begins you know we get king tut we get that sort of you know we get those sort of signifiers of ancient egypt right and and um you know i mean it's it's nuts and it's movies like this that continue that legacy i mean it's insane that they still make the money mummy movies even though they don't like the last one did a big did tank big time right? oh yeah the yeah. the most recent the one tom
2: cruise one yeah you
1: guys did an episode on it you guys ripped it to shreds i remember it's so i don't think we did <laughs> no no did it? Well, you we talked did about it, the brendan fraser no, one. you did you talked about the brendan yeah. fraser one but it was coming out i think
2: probably yeah i mean i i saw it for work and yeah it's it's horrible um yeah, we, we should probably wrap this segment up and move on to the trivia. Do you guys have anything else to say about the plot of the movie? Um, James Spader stays. They beat the bad guy.
3: They, they uh, teleport yeah. the bomb. There was a bomb, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: they nuke – they like nuke the. They, they nuke teleport the it audience. up in the
3: MRI machine, the vertical MRI machine, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <what was> <laughs> which feels yeah, gives me the creeps. And uh, but then it blows up the guy, and that's the uh, that's how they do it. Blows up the space pyramid. And that's it.
2: Stargate.
1: How do they even do with the sequels? They're sequels of this movie, right? Or just, just TV the TV shows.
2: shows. You know, they've ta- apparently they've talked about, they envisioned it as a trilogy and uh, never happened. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, but it yeah, became many other TV shows, um, some of which we'll discuss right after this break. We're back on rewatchability. We're talking about Stargate with Romani. Uh We're not big fans of this movie, <laughs> as you can probably tell. Well, maybe, um, maybe. Let's leave a
3: little bit of surprise possibility open.
2: I do have uh, some trivia questions for you guys. Okay. You this isn't
3: going to be any, like, hieroglyphics or anything, is it? <laughs>
2: Yes, it's a, it's a translation. I have Richard Kind here. Richard, would you come in? and uh,
3: <laughs> Jackal! <laughs> Eye
2: of Horus! Uh, so, uh, <laughs> this movie came out
3: in
2: 1994. stars Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell has one other screen credit in 1994. Do you guys know what that is? Mmm. No.
3: Mmm.
2: No idea. Well, he was the uncredited voice of Elvis... In Forrest Gump. Right. What? Yeah,
1: oh, yeah, because young Elvis shows up to Forrest's house where he stays with his yeah, mom. Something or like whatever. Yeah, something yeah. like
2: that. I don't remember.
1: And he teaches him how to mm-hmm. dance or something?
2: Yeah, exactly. The uh, The music, I'd say, like, the real legacy of this movie, other than the TV shows, is the music. Because mm-hmm. that music was constantly used in other trailers. The composer was a guy named David Arnold, who had only ever done one other feature film. He'd done some other, like, uh, student films, and he did something with Bjork, but he wasn't, like, a a big composer at the time. In fact, at the time he was hired to do the score for Stargate, he had just applied for a job at a video store. Oh, wow. Uh, could have been renting UK. out
3: Stargate. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: Oh man, can you imagine if he? Yeah, if he hadn't gotten the gig and had to like, yeah, rent rent out VHS copies of Stargate for like a year afterwards. But you know, I have no way of really fact checking your answers here. But I wondered if you guys could think of any other trailers that uh, feature the Stargate music. I have a few of them written down here, uh, but the, yeah. I've
1: I can't even I can't even name the music. It doesn't it is it's does not remember that. It's not that memorable to
3: me. I think okay. I only remember it from the TV show um, cuz they use the same music obviously for the TV yeah. show. Yeah, I'm going to say
2: Stuart Little. No, not Stuart Little. Oh, you can't Did you fact check that? <laughs> Well, I've gotten some written down here. It said it was used in the trailers for movies like Deep Rising, Independence Day, Jumanji, The Mummy, uh, Polar Express, oh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, Water Worlds, and Drag Me to Hell, which uh, I don't remember, but. Wow. Sure. And last question I have for you. So I'm not going to do a deep dive into the TV shows because I really don't have the time. Who does? Uh, I I rattled off uh, facts about like 18 different Beethoven movies a few (laughs) weeks ago, but I am not going to figure out what happened in all of these Stargate shows. But I did want to ask you guys if you know which future Justice League star appeared in the show Stargate Atlantis, because they brought in a whole thing about Atlantis into it.
3: Which future Justice League? Okay, which one is the Justice
2: League? <laughs> it's the one with Batman and Wonder Woman. okay. Uh, Zack Snyder made it. I'm going to say
3: Jason Momoa, because he gets underwater right. a lot.
2: <laughs> it is Jason Momoa. All right. Uh, he played uh, Ronan Dex on Stargate Atlantis. Oh, wow! And actually, I'm looking at the IMDb for Stargate Atlantis right now, and it looks like Richard Kind shows up. In hey, it.
3: that's nice. Give him, give him some work. Yeah, that's right. I saw that he uh, he was in that show. Yeah,
2: is he the same same guy? I don't think so. Okay, we never that's find out bad. what
3: happens to him. Presumably, he has a a good life.
2: Yeah, I guess he's yeah. I, again, I would have loved it if uh, this movie was about him. So, uh yeah, there's some interesting stories about the making of this movie. Yeah, one was the casting of Jay Davidson who like I said wasn't in a lot of movies. Like he was basically just plucked out of obscurity for The Crying Game. Uh, he was at a uh, after party for a Derek Jarman movie and uh, and was approached to audition for the movie. Uh Got it. Didn't even really seem to want to do the movie, from what I've read, or like be part of the entertainment industry. Like he was working in fashion and uh, later became a model. But uh, hmm. yeah, it's it's fun it, uh, looking at like old interviews with him. Um, it, it's funny because like no one seems to understand that he wouldn't want to be a movie star like all, all the interviews like what are you doing next and he's like i i don't know if i want to do something and it, weirdly uh like pre-stargate you know in a few interviews he bragged about not having an agent and said like he doesn't want an agent because he doesn't want to do Stargate. end up doing a bad movie <laughs> because they offer him a bunch of money and that's basically what happened like they offered him a million dollars or or well the story goes that he asked for a million dollars because he thought there was no way they would say yes and they did say yes so he ended up doing it he
3: just been nominated for an oscar you can you can't yeah. demand a one 1 million dollars when you've been nominated for an oscar
2: yeah
1: man the way the way hollywood kind of just chewed that movie out just they made so many jokes about the ending of that movie like oh kind
2: of yes yeah,
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's
3: how Uh, it exists in the culture, really.
2: Though uh, they also said, like, he was really into, like, the costumes in the film, like, when he saw what they were doing and saw the costumes, because he worked in fashion. Mm Mm-hmm. They did have to like adjust the costumes. Like you'll notice, like a lot of them, like the the costumes come up like just above the nipple, and that's because he didn't want to take his nipple rings out <laughs> because he he said he just <laughs> oh got them God. and, and <laughs> oh thought that they God. like the openings would seal up if he what Ra can't have, have
3: nipple rings?
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Make them and, out of like uh, an
3: Ouroboros or something,
2: you know. You know, I, yeah, I just find him like a, a very curious figure and especially because like, yeah, I totally like, imagine if like you or I or or just anyone that you know was just randomly like thrust into such a spotlight, like, mm-hmm. and didn't even have like the intention or, or the desire to be an actor and, and yeah, like you can find that very unappealing so I I think it's it's very strange that he's in this movie and I haven't seen the crying game since like not long after it came out but like I remember him being really good in that movie but it was like like you said like you remember the conversations around that movie at the time more than the movie itself I I Um, haven't
3: even seen it I've just seen like yeah like the parodies and you know the problematic jokes and you know the reputation really to be honest
2: right there were also some stories about, like, I guess he didn't – this isn't really funny, but he didn't have a very good time making the movie because he was, like – this isn't the funny part, but he was coming off heroin. Oh, jeez. And his his personal assistant – he had a personal assistant who was the, the bass player from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> and it said on the second day of shooting, he disappeared with Jay's phone, all of his petty cash, and his methadone. I said first he was hysterical then it got really bad I could write a book about it that's what Roland Emmerich said so
3: isn't the Will Ferrell character in Zoolander from Frankie
2: Goes to Hollywood I don't remember so yeah yeah really I mean I, I will say like casting him in that role is one of the things that makes this movie actually memorable for sure yeah. So like we said there it's are some like weird and problematic. This, yeah, it's problematic mm-hmm. in the sense that like yeah, they probably were seeking like an androgynous uh uh character to to further the uh the disassociation from Yeah. from our our Well, and there's also French, French Stewart.
3: Yeah, there's also like that weird thing about like the children, you know? And like this movie has like yeah. a theme of like, you know, Exploiting children to it. And they sort of like put that as like, you know, oh, of course these cultural others are okay. This is what they do. They exploit children. And that's why he has this like weird harem of almost yeah, naked yeah.
2: kids. That was unpleasant and yeah, bad. But I will say, just purely from a performance standpoint, I mean, he's absolutely speaking in ancient Egyptian, and they put stuff on it. But like he, he certainly had a screen presence, and that you know is part of the reason why he was nominated for an Oscar not long before that. Absolutely, and and I think it does make the movie stand out. There, this movie was sued. Whoa! Did you guys By hear about Egypt? this? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, you can't just say that we didn't <laughs> that build incredible. the pyramids, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh sued by a guy named Omar Zudi, oh. I think that's how you pronounce it, who is a high school teacher who had written a similar movie treatment and submitted it to one of the studios, I guess, in 1984. Mm. But he thought it was similar enough to sue for and, and it was enough to warrant a trial, though it was settled out of court for I – th- I think he sued for like the gross of the movie. like He sued for like $195 Whoa. million dollars or something, but it was settled for just 50000 mm. So I, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but he did not too long ago publish his version of the story as a book. Oh, nice. Uh, I, I should read that since by. I've read the uh... – <laughs>
1: I can't believe you read it. I cannot believe you read it. I book. can. What is wrong with you? I'm literate. Or is that just because of colonialism? Maybe it is. I don't know. No, you're wasting
3: your okay. literacy. <laughs> oh, you
2: yeah. should read uh, like uh,
3: Edward Said or something.
2: Yes, okay. Rob. You you, Rob, you know, Blaine and I don't let you read. <laughs> No, you, no you want to keep them
1: underdeveloped.
2: Yeah, we don't even want you to, like, draw things in the sand. <laughs> I'm just here to uh, make these podcasts and edit them together. <laughs> the uh, uh, the book, if anyone's interested, is called Egyptscape. Hmm. Egyptscape. Uh, okay, not uh, a great
3: title. Stargate's pretty good.
2: <laughs> like I mentioned, there were action figures for this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I I imagine a lot of kids reused the James Spader one if they ever wanted to play erotic 90s thriller with their (laughs) friends. Yeah, one of my uh, Transformers, you know. (laughs) There were, like we said, a whole bunch of TV shows, live action, and an animated series, which I don't remember happening. Stargate
3: babies. (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if
1: there's anything that this movie proves is that, like, the goal the goal of Hollywood execs is to create a franchise because you can it can you don't have to worry about you know like a new like you if you can create a fan base, then they'll just you know this is something that y- you kind of enlightened me to jam in terms of when you talk about like oh you know we hated the rise of Skywalker or whatever like a lot of people liked it like that's fine like it's a lot of people liked it and they didn't go on the internet to talk about how much they liked it. And so it's you know there's always a market for these things and this this movie is proof that there's always a market Some hardcore for whatever Stargate you throw. movie Oh yeah yeah out there.
2: This movie was a big hit. But like I said it was a big hit but they never made a sequel because I think it was like the experience I had like every, everyone went to the movies and had a good fine had a good time going to the movies and then you know no one thought about it again. And Nolan
1: Emerick doesn't seem to be like a sequel guy, though. Does he make sequels?
2: Well, they made the Independence Day one, and that but did that's not But that's like go the well. reboot,
1: right? Yeah. It was a yeah, sequel. It was... Like, yeah.
2: it was uh, Judd Hirsch was for Yeah, it's true. Soprano, yeah, it was a sequel, yeah. But it was uh, like... But, you know, I think the problem with this movie and it's the problem with a lot of the other movies is like his leads are just bad. Like, for you know, we've talked a lot about how offensive this movie is to like the supporting cast of of cartoon characters. But like the lead characters are also uh, terribly drawn. Like there's even, you know, I I think a lot of this movie, it was so short, uh, such a short time span, but like it seems patterned off of off of Jurassic park in a lot of ways, but like <laughs> Jurassic park made everybody have differing viewpoints, but still be smart. right? And this movie even takes its smartest or its seemingly smartest characters and makes them dumb for no reason other than maybe someone will chuckle. Like there's that scene where like, Oh, you know, this is another, uh, you know, hallmark of, of, uh, kind of, gross colonialist fantasy movies but like the scene where they're eating the gross food and it's like the the lizard creature that they have to eat or else they'll insult their hosts Mm. and uh, uh james spader uh eats it and then says oh it tastes like chicken and then he starts like doing an impression of a chicken
1: oh that was the
2: worst shit in the world but it's also like, why, and everyone just looks at him like he's an idiot, but it's also like, well, don't make, if he's supposed to be the smartest guy, don't make him into, like, the idiot for this scene. Like, it, yeah. uh. so just, yeah, yeah I, I think, like, yeah, that's part of your problem. No one wants to see these people ever again for the rest of their <laughs> lives. We're uh, just glad and, that James Spader stayed on that planet
3: right
2: <laughs> james spader has since publicly said that he only did this movie for the money he said that uh, about every other movie he'd done as well uh, probably kurt russell refused to do it said he hated the script and then they found out they sh- sent him like an earlier draft and they sent him a later draft and he was like oh it's not that bad so he agreed to do it and at one point, apparently, according to Dean Devlin, there was a scene where James Spader was refusing to come out of his trailer until they rewrote the scene <laughs> to make it better. And Kurt Russell came in and said, uh, "Come on, you got it." You know, I was trying to get him out. And uh, and James Spader said, "Come on, admit it. The dialogue's horrible." And Kurt Russell said, "Of course it's horrible. That's why they pay you a million dollars. If it was brilliant, you'd do it for free." <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. Yeah. So everyone kind of knew this was garbage while they were making it. But speaking to that, like, uh, you know, problematic conspiracy theory about, like, the pyramids being created by aliens. And am I the only one on this podcast who has been in the pyramids? Yes. Whoa. Whoa. it smelled like B.O. in there. It was, <laughs> a, a lot of that was the tourists, but I did not get a distinct alien vibe from the pyramids. Maybe that's yeah. what they
3: smell like. Maybe they don't have uh pit stick in. But it in was like it was
2: like I mean, they just like heard the tourists and like through these like very tiny like shafts it was insanely claustrophobic and uncomfortable and i can't imagine anyone actually going there and getting any kind of like majesty yeah dude it's a tomb you're not supposed to hang out and it's across the street from like i think it's a kfc like <laughs> like it is it is yeah the majesty of the pyramids has been somewhat marred by uh by modernity. <laughs> but uh, but that theory, the, the the I don't know if this is the origin point for that conspiracy theory, but certainly one of the big ones and the way this the filmmakers of this film were exposed to it was the book Chariots of the Gods. Mm. You know that, Cena, that book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. And the book Chariots of the Gods was like a bestseller and made into a movie in the 70s. And yeah. for some reason, the book was by Eric von Daniken, I think. And for some reason, when uh, Roland Emmerich was in film school in Germany, they showed him the movie of Chariots of the Gods in film school. Yeah. And that it makes sense. It made a big impression on him. That mm. makes sense. Yeah. yeah,
1: that makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah. yeah. And in case you're yeah. wondering, it, it was the book Chariots of the Gods uh, just the ravings of a racist madman? Well, the same guy, Von Daniken, (laughs) wrote a sequel book in 1979, and some of the questions he asked in that book include, was the black race a failure? Oh, God. Uh, Did the extraterrestrials change the genetic code by gene surgery and then program a white or yellow race?
1: Oh, God. Oh. He also so – That's I, the thing. Like, it's just all this stuff becomes so very quickly sort of fought, like just a very slippery slope to like race science and it's always – these guys love Egyptology for that.
2: Well, yeah. And uh, last one, I don't know how this came up, but apparently he says in the book, quote, nearly all Negroes are musical. They have rhythm in their blood. Oh, that's God. a quote from his book. So that's Ooh. the that's where Stargate kind of owes its lineage to It's just <laughs> this kind of thinking. Yeah, uh, oh. I mean that's the thing. Like it's just it's that's
1: why these movies exist. They're like they're just they're dumb sort of vehicles, but they tap into deeper things. And it turns out that the Stargate sort of. You know the force of this movie has has propelled it like far beyond we could have ever imagined. I mean, it's also like there's no rhyme or reason to these things either, right? Like, I don't think there's a reason why the start the the Stargate TV shows take off.
2: But it is like that. it, It is it is harmful. Like it's still being like you still get. The fucking shows on like the history channel or whatever being yeah, like were the aliens, pyramids like created a, by aliens a, yeah. elon musk tweeted it out apparently recently yeah. saying that it's like a meme it's a meme now aliens. yeah mm-hmm. sure it's just one
1: of the like many yeah this is one of the many ways that like you know settler culture kind of like insults indigenous anything like it just cheapens and everything is rendered through the lens of the contemporary and you know I mean, that's why you shoot the sphinx like that's why you do that because right. your only idea in the world is I have to kill everything that I don't understand and so you shoot this fucking stone stat like like, like, like statue like whatever like yeah it's pretty fucked up
2: yeah well it's like, yeah it's also just it's a, it's a way of of uh you know rationalizing white supremacy when there's clear you know concrete evidence to the contrary and all you know it's it's all of the it's not just the pyramids like there's all kinds of like examples of like yeah non-european uh you know wonders of uh construction that uh suddenly became evidence of ancient alien interference uh yeah it's it's awful and garbage and uh it's it's what form the basis of this movie, which is also, in my opinion, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh so maybe we should wrap up uh on that note. Uh I probably don't have to ask, but Cena, did you think this movie was rewatchable?
1: <laughs> this movie is not watchable, let alone rewatchable. <laughs> so bad. So bad. So bad. How did this stuff, like, form us? I mean, I know that's what the point of this podcast is. Like, like, how did this stuff invade our brains so profoundly? And, like, I don't know. It just – we were 10 years old or 11 years old when this movie came out. It had such, like – it had, we and our brains are so open at that age. You can't help but, like, you know – imbibe the stuff and think you know and then we would get like a few years later from now like five years later we're gonna get like the we're gonna get like uh, Jar Jar Binks and the Gungans Mm -hmm. and like that's another encounter with the colonial sort of other Mm -hmm. yeah man fucked up times
2: (laughs) I (laughs) I won't hear a word against Watto though (laughs) yeah (laughs) top notch Uh, not to mention a movie that you made me watch with you after I'd already seen it, uh, one of the most successful movies of all time, Avatar.
1: That's true. I think you watch that. The same story. Yeah, same story.
2: Colonial Encounter. Wow.
1: Uh, Overlaid with that VR stuff.
2: What about you, Rob? Was it Uh, (laughs) re-readable? You know, I
3: enjoyed seeing these scenes, which I had imagined so vividly brought to life on the cinema screen. But... No, 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 no. I, no, I, uh, no. It just doesn't, uh, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. And, uh, there's a lot of badness in it as well. So that's, that's troubling. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's just really bad. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's really bad. It's, uh, yeah. And for all the reasons that we talked about and as a movie, you know, the science fiction stuff, I like the science fiction stuff, you know, that can tie me over for a bit. Like any of that, like wormholey, like travel to another, you know, dimension sort of thing. I like that sort of thing. You know, any of that Star Trekky stuff, I'm on board for that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just so, like, baldly a uh, a colonialist fantasy. Um yeah, it's just uh, you know, yeah, it's it's bad from there. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to watch this one again. I don't know. I am kind of I am kind of curious about the TV show. I might try to watch the TV show and Dive see the thing uh up there. Yeah, because you know, there's um 10 years of that. So, I can I can watch that <laughs> in like a month. So <laughs> We'll see, we'll see, but no, not rewatchable.
2: Yeah, I agree. I hated this movie so much. (laughs) And it's also, (laughs) like, on top of everything we've talked about, like, it's racist nonsense derived from a hateful garbage person's theory. And on top of that, like, on top of everything, it's... It's also just boring. Like it's not. Yeah, it's incredibly boring. Mm.
1: Incredibly boring.
2: Think about like it it does have like a you know putting aside some of our grievances with like the the representation of it. Like it, it does have a good setup. We have this kind of ancient artifact. It's a portal to somewhere, and and we don't know where it goes. But we're gonna journey into it and 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 find out where it takes us. And that's an intriguing setup. And to have the answer to that question be like not nah, just a town in a desert that <laughs> kind of looks like an ancient town from earth. It's just so boring. It's boring. Yeah. It's uh, stupid. It's, uh, the but they have a weird horse. Awful. They do have a weird horse.
1: Yeah. That, that never ending story looking weird thing. That was awful.
2: Yeah. <sighs> I was not a fan of Stargate and, uh, I'm sorry if you are a big fan of Stargate and have been listening to the end of this podcast but uh yeah well thank you Sina for joining us and uh, thank
1: you guys for having me on it's always
2: a pleasure yeah you too man and as always you can find us at rewatchability dot com apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts really twitter we're at rewatchability facebook.com slash rewatchability and until next time what was that famous quote from Stargate?
3: Uh. <laughs> Say a little uh. King Tut for me. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> so
0: stupid. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>